Welcome, brothers, sisters. This is our weekly testimony meeting. <laughs> I'm Sister Brittany. And I'm Sister Ronnie. And this is Young Single Apostate. Echo. Yeah, if we sound a little different, we are recording in a different location because the place that we usually record, which is my bedroom, uh, the AC is out, so. This is probably our punishment from God or it's Satan, you know, cause like keeping us from trying to get the word out. It's our punishment for not maintenancing an AC unit for 20 years. No, it's because of tithing. <laughs> it's cause we haven't paid tithing. <laughs> Everybody knows what it is. Um, maintenance your, your AC because otherwise um, it can get clogged and dirty and a motor might explode. And then you'll have to pay more just for a new AC than it would have yeah. cost to upkeep it. Yeah, it's so just like, heads up, maintenance your AC. It's not a scam, just once a year, especially if you're in Arizona. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, like, it's a big deal here. Like, people die yeah. from heat stroke out here. So, you've been doing all right? <laughs> Yeah, I've been at my sister's just sleeping on her couch. So if I sound manic, it's because I haven't slept well for two days and I'm subsisting on caffeine mm -hmm. and sugar. Don't forget <laughs> the sugar. All right. We got some items of business to get through. Oh, mm -hmm. one. You know what? I I've learned a lot this past time of just, just random shit. So yeah. did you know in the reorganized... LDS, like the community of Christ, uh -huh. they let women have the priesthood. And they've been letting women have the priesthood since the 80s. Right? I'm making lots of faces. <laughs> right? The silence. <laughs> the silence says it all. Literally why I became interested in witchcraft and now consider myself a witch is because magic is for everyone. Uh, whereas, like, in mainstream LDS, men have magic. Mm -hmm. And that they're, only if you have a penis can you have magic. And so what? <laughs> I know. Like, I didn't even know this. And, like, I just found this out, like, this last week. So I needed to come blow your mind. My, consider my mind I mean, blown. I can't say, I have, don't know enough about the community of Christ or the reorganized LDS to know if they're any better or worse than the mainstream mm -hmm. LDS, but hot damn, they got but, one good thing going well, for them. That affects so much because there is this kind of thought process that isn't present in all Mormon families, but some people lean hard into it that the priesthood holders, the head of the house and the priesthood holder makes the decisions. And that even though the wife is the, is a partner, she she's not equal. The, the wife is too burdened with other responsibilities to take on the priesthood. We don't want to overwhelm the women. Yeah. So like removing that from the equation, that inequality, I feel like that would shift a lot of perspective. That would shift a lot of like thinking. But of course, I, I don't know. I just found out. I don't know enough <laughs> about the church of Christ, but like, wow. Yeah, like, um, and, and since the 80s, too. Like, that would make sense. Man. That would make sense if they were, like, since 2012. But no, it's been since the 80s. Like, 85 or something. Yeah. So, we're going to have to I mean, come back and that, circle back to what this. What that means to me is that the Church of Christ is, like, uh, is, is... You mean Community of Christ. Sorry, yeah, Community of Christ <laughs> is keeping up with, like, modern progressive movements. <laughs> They're not... 
20 or 30 years behind. Right. Oh, and speaking of Church of Christ, so yes, I don't remember if I've touched on this, but we all know my grandma was the convert convert on yeah. my mom's side. So my mom grew up in it, but my grandma converted to it before mm-hmm. she was born. Um, and she went to the Church of Christ. And I was like, which Church of Christ does she go to? <laughs> does she go to the non-denominational Church of Christ? Or did she go to the LDS Church of Christ? Because to uh-huh. me, it's like, how much of a leap did she make into yeah. the LDS Church? And so I asked her, like, over dinner one day, like, just curious, like, Mm-hmm. So, Grandma, when I heard before you were LDS, like, you were in the Church of Christ. And do you, was it, like, LDS? Like, did they have some of the teachings mm-hmm. that she, like... Or was well, it a non-Christian? <laughs> well, she, like, I mean, she has 94, so she's got, she doesn't remember shit. But, like, she, like, kind of looked at me all confused, and then I was, like, and out of nowhere she was like well they believed in the same th- some of the same things as the lds church i'm like that's what i'm asking <laughs> uh, and so i was like googling it and i was like you know like when after joseph smith died and there was that whole like color blue about who's going to take over the church mm-hmm. and then everything kind of split off from there um so do you remember like who founded your church like mm-hmm. who was your yeah. founder? So I know like which Church of Christ because there's evidently five gazillion of them. And she was like, "Well, just because you're looking at stuff like that on your phone doesn't make it true." And I was like, "What? Why are you getting mad?" Like she was getting defensive, and I was like, "All I'm talking about, like this is something that happened. I'm not saying anything <laughs> was wrong. I'm just saying, hey, like." Which which one was it? Like, out of all the things to get defensive about, you're getting, like, she thought I was, like, attacking her, I guess. And I was like, no, I just want to know which Church of Christ you are from. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's like, like, the Signet Rigdon one, or, you know, like, uh-huh. William Graves, or whatever the names were, and I was going through. And she, Maybe she got upset because she hadn't realized that there were so many that claimed to be the true church. Oh, but she was like, there was people who apostatized, and no, 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 no. Like, and she, she was like, how do you know it's true just because you're looking at it on your phone? because yeah, we have, like, like, historical documents that well, people have I, verified. I literally kind of mumbled on my breath. I'm like, it's called historical documents, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just thought that was an issue. And to the, we still don't know. I still have no idea because I named them all off. She's like, and I don't know if it's because she didn't know ever or she just is 94, and that's fine. <laughs> the only thing she could tell me was that they weren't allowed to have music in church. Aww. So, like, you sung hymns, but you sung it a cappella. You didn't sing it with, like, instruments or anything. So music that's the was, only clue I have. Music was the only thing I liked about church. I loved singing in primary. That was literally, like, my favorite thing. And the rest, I, I don't fucking care. <laughs> Except sometimes we got candy. Yeah. But I really loved singing. But I just, like, I just love music anyway. I still sing. By the way, whenever, whenever I make a dating profile and says, what's my thing about you? I always look, I always put, uh, I love to sing, but I'm not good at it. <laughs> Take me to karaoke, baby, and I'll show you a good time. I just sing while I do chores and stuff because it makes it go faster. I like it best when the house is completely empty and I can really bell it out. You can, like, be naked and, like, scream while you're cleaning. Not really naked because we have a lot of windows, but I do, like, sing really loudly. One day I would like to clean naked. That would be nice. I don't think it would be that nice. Well, just the fact that I could have the choice to do it wrong. That's true. <laughs> you should always have the choice to clean naked if you want to, as long as you don't have roommates. 
Well, consent. see, that's the thing, is I don't, I, I want, the whole point of me wanting to clean naked one day is the fact that I won't have roommates, and it's that's like, the ultimate it's goal. It's like a friend's review is like, oh, are you going to walk around naked? And, and Rachel's like, no, who would do that? And Phoebe's like, why do you think it takes me so long to answer the door? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and another thing of business is I was yes. actually invited to speak to on a friend's podcast. I'm, we were actually roommates in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, she grew up in Arizona. I don't, I can't remember if she was like Tucson or Yuma. One or oh, but other. she was South. Yeah. Like, so she wasn't in like where we are. She wasn't in Mormonville, but she was in Arizona. Right. So she grew up around a lot of Mormons mm-hmm. and, um, what I really liked about her was Spencer is her name is mm-hmm. even though she was like Christian and she mm-hmm. like, you know, was into Christianity, she never judged me. Like she was never mm-hmm. like, you need to turn to Christ and blah, blah, blah. She like listened to me and my opinions. And she like totally acknowledge you had a bad experience. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that's not something that should have ever happened. And so that's what I really love about Spencer mm-hmm. is just her openness. Like, even though she believes in Jesus, she doesn't, believe in that culture of like I'm better than everyone else and not like the shun the non-believers right and like she didn't like try to convert me or prostitute so so she's like someone who's actually trying to be Christ-like right (laughs) um so she invited me to speak on her podcast and their podcast is called speaking in church and you can look them up on Instagram um we talk about like how it felt growing up in the church from like a female perspective like Mm -hmm. what were my expectations that were put on me or like how did it maybe differ from a male's upbringing we talked they were very um interested in baptisms for the dead (laughs) like honestly it's so morbid like who isn't interested in baptisms for the dead it's it's so weird because i think i touch like when you're in the church it does it's not weird yeah but when you talk to people about it, they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, and just, like, for clarity, like, I did baptisms for the dead, and you've done them. Like, it was, it was like a step. It was the first time that you got to enter the temple, right. even though you were a minor. So it, I remember how excited I was. Mm-hmm. And then it was just kind of... So, see, now mm-hmm. I'm starting to be, I think on their podcast I said you first go at 14. Is that... Yeah, Or is it 12? I think it could be 12, but I I think I went at 14. I feel like it was 14, but I might be wrong. I, I like, my memory's fuzzy, but I think that I was 14. When because I it was kind of the time where you were in Young Women. Well, I yes. guess you start going to Young Women at, t- at 12. At 12, but I think I was older. Like, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, (laughs) it's a rite of passage. It's it's your first introduction to the temple unless you've been sealed. Yeah. And it's like a big deal that that's where like that's where the youth uh, interviews come in, Mm -hmm. which I was very like I had a really great um, bishop and it was none of the weird stuff that I read about on like the ex-woman subreddit. Nothing weird or sexual. Right. Like um, that's when you start having those one-on-one interviews, which I told them about like, yeah, there's been (laughs) issues with this. And Mm -hmm. and even though I personally don't feel like I ever experienced any traumatizing one-on-one interviews, because we actually had some decent bishops yeah but it is surprisingly but it is very a breeding ground for abuse of power right exactly we were just lucky we were lucky we were. um because i can't say i remember ever being asked like 
Well, I just remember being asked, like, have, do you read your scriptures every day? Do you, have you been paying your tithing? Mm-hmm. Have you been praying? Um, I and I feel like if at any, they might have said, like, are you keeping clean or have your yeah, virtue think, or whatever? I think I, I think there was one question that was, like, are you following the law of chastity? And I was, like, no. 14, so you either uh, are or you lie. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> I, it was, like, that one question, and... I actually knew my bishop really well, and he looked kind of uncomfortable about it. Like, you know, it was a checklist that he had to ask, mm-hmm. and he was uncomfortable. Um, but for because we were really lucky, um, and I was lucky, it's just that one question, and the rest of it was all just like, do you like, are you praying? Are you, do you go to church? And just all that stuff. So, yeah, like, we were lucky because we weren't asked, like, do you masturbate? Yeah, like, we weren't asked any that I remember. There are horror stories on. Uh, the ex Mormon subreddit, and I've actually, and oh, damn it, who is it? There was a um, Mormon activist who actually got excommunicated because he was um, advocating that those uh, interviews not be closed door and that minors be allowed to have a uh, adult present for them. And he got excommunicated for it. And then two, two years later, they implemented it as policy. I can't remember his name. I wish I did because he's he's a hero man. I think I had the realization that we could get excommunicated just for having this podcast. Yeah, we could. But Sweet. I would prefer. I have a plan for how I want to get excommunicated. <laughs> I want to go to a um, a testimony meeting, get up there, and then uh, bear my testimony about the Morrigan, the Celtic goddess who I follow. I kind of want to just, like, join the, the Church of Satan. That's also fun. And just, like, show up and be like... You get a card. You get a little, perf- like, a member's card for it. It's really cool. Right. I mean, as cool as it would to get excommunicated, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of, like, a badass way to go out. Um, I'm kind of waiting for my grandma to pass on because yeah, I feel like... Yeah, heart attack and be responsible for her Because she's the one that's, like batshit crazy yeah. about Mormonism. I feel like my mom would be, like, disappointed, but she internalizes everything, so yeah. I won't... You know, she'll just cry You'll about it alone in the shower instead of in You'll front of me. You'll never know how ashamed she is. Right. Um, for me, it's because my mom is relying on the storehouse for food. So if we can get, if she can get to a point where that's no longer reality and, like, my actions won't affect her ability to survive as a person, then I'll, I'll, I'd like to, to go out and uh, get excommunicated. It would be really fun. <laughs> and, like, I know we sound like trolls. Um, yeah, I, I, what I want to do is completely trolling. and I don't fucking care. I think it would be awesome. Well, it's kind of like we've been so <laughs> hurt and manipulated and abused by this church that it's almost like, I don't fucking have any respect for you. Well, like, like, I personally, I would, I would want to do it because my dad is, is, I mentioned before, abusive and super, super, like, zealous about Mormonism, I would really like to do it at, at his, uh, in his ward. So it would be more of like a personalized attack on him, uh, because then everyone knows that his daughter is, you know, a queer pagan. And, uh, and then it would ruin his reputation, and that's what matters the most to him. I'm kind of, I'm still kind of bitter about my childhood. This, this is why we go to therapy. That's why we have a podcast, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, speaking of podcasts let's get on to today's topic yes i'm i've been looking forward this to this is gonna be a juicy one. Oh my god so the question that was asked last week is the mainstream lds church is it a cult it's a cult and 
One thing I want to clarify because, so what do we mean by cult? What I mean by cult is that it is a organization that abuses its power over people to the point that they cannot leave without it drastically affecting their lives because there are plenty of churches that you can just stop going and you don't lose your family or you don't lose like your sense of identity you know like you can just go to church on christmas and easter and no yeah. one cares <laughs> yeah and it's it, it's not like it does not result in religious trauma right so that's what i mean by cult because there are people out there that would argue that all religions are cults. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is all organized religions have characteristics of cults or they have like culty behaviors, but I, but and I'm gonna talk about it when I talk about why I think that the LDS church is specifically a cult. But just because you have certain controlling aspects does not necessarily mean that you are a cult with a capital C. Well, so I wanted to go off like the definition of cult because exactly. again, like what you said, I mm -hmm. feel like it all boils down to what is your definition of a cult? Mm -hmm. um, so when you Google definition of cult, this is mm -hmm. what comes up. It says there's these two different um, things, a system of religious veneration and devotion directed towards a particular figure or object. Mm -hmm. So if that's the definition alone, I would feel like yes. Um, LDS is a, yeah, everything is a cult because mm -hmm. the Walt Disney Company is a cult. Like they to, to worship Mickey Mouse or Walt Disney, you know. To so, be fair, <laughs> right? So in that definition, I feel like anything could be a cult. Donald Trump. <laughs> we'll get on that. And, um, but then here's this other definition that's right below mm -hmm. it. It says a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Mm -hmm. So in that one, you That's could say outside perspective. See, one of my things I feel like I kind of realized is if it's socially acceptable, yeah, it's a religion, not a cult. Even if it is kind of culty, even if it's weird, mm -hmm. or like if it's lasted, like the Catholic Church could be a cult, but it's been around for so long mm -hmm. that it's like it's a religion, or it's so big it can't be a cult because it's bigger mm -hmm. than or a it cult. has so much money. Right. Scientology. So that's one of those things that I um, have kind of mm -hmm. in my research. And then there is a term that I came across called high demand religion. Yeah, I really like this term, actually. And so what makes, I guess, they're similar, but what makes a high demand religion is I have a checklist here. I like, as you look it up, I like high demand religion because it allows you to talk to members of religion very controlling religions um with without having that sort of knee-jerk reaction to the word cult because i think that if you're in like a high demand religion you can basically agree yeah you know there's there's a lot of stuff that we we do and it takes up a lot of time and you can get more on the same page and discuss something without arguing over well you're trying to degrade our religion because you called it a cult mm -hmm. so so it says this is not a scientific method of diagnosing a group, uh -huh. but this is a checklist of characteristics that could apply to it. Is so, that from the bite model? 
no, but okay. we can talk about that. Yeah, because that's what I, that's what I was going to talk about. Well, you can see what which of these uh -huh. correlates to the bite model. Mm -hmm. um, so I won't read them all because there's a lot, but we can say like the group is focused on a living leader to whom a member seemed to display excessively zealous, unquestioning, uh -huh. unquestioning commitment. Mm -hmm. Joseph no. Smith and Nelson and Today and the prophet. Uh, the group is preoccupied with bringing in new members, missionaries. missionaries. The group is preoccupied with making money, tithing. tithing. Uh, questioning, doubt, and dissent are discouraged or even punished. Don't look at outside sources, only church approved sources. Right, like if you look out outside of church sources, those are anti-Mormon and Satan. Mm -hmm. Yep. So those aren't to be trusted. You should only trust the doctrine that has been given to you. Yep. Which sounds manipulative to it's me. Super manipulative. Um, there's the leadership dictates sometimes in great detail how members should think, act, and feel. I could go down to what you're supposed to wear, um, who you get married to, what you're allowed to eat or drink, how long you're allowed to sleep, or you know, yeah. so things like that. Which I feel like the word of wisdom kind of falls under that. You know, yeah. wearing the modest. You know, okay. modest is hottest or the garments that uh -huh. could be under that is what you're told to wear. Mm -hmm. You're being forced to wear something. Yeah, the and it's not like a requirement, but there is a very high pressure to marry a return missionary, which mm -hmm. is like a lot of too much stress on. Well, yeah, it's kind of like why would you marry that guy when you could marry a return missionary? missionary. Stupid. Um, the group is elitist, claiming a special exalted status for itself, its leaders, and members. Yep. <laughs> we are told that we were saved for the latter days because these are going to be the toughest times in history. And we were the special chosen ones mm -hmm. to battle, you know, to come and fight for God and at this time. for 200 years. <laughs> right. Like in that all of the, you know, all the natural disasters, awesome. all these school shootings, all of these bad things that are happening in the world are because mm -hmm. it's getting closer and closer to so the second nice. coming. Yeah. So I remember being told that we were special because we were saved. We were so righteous in the war in heaven that we were, that we were born saved. into the, the church. So we knew the truth. From if the we weren't as righteous, we would have been born before the restoration. Oh, or we born, born black. We have, that we'll get to that. <laughs> Racism in the church deserves its own episode. It deserves, like, its own podcast, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, the leadership induces guilt feelings in members in order to control them. Uh-huh, yeah. If you even think about something that, like... It's the same as doing it. It's Satan tempting you. Yeah. Like, if you're like, oh, wow, that girl's hot, you might as well be committing adultery because yeah. you're lusty. But yet, it's okay to, like... Because of modesty, like, oh, don't let, you don't want the boys lusting after you. Mm -hmm. But, like, how about we be like, hey, how about you just not lust? Or if you are lusting, then keep it to yourself. Just go into the bathroom and jack off. Everyone does it. Well, like, because if it's a 14-year-old boy <laughs> lusting after a girl, I mean, that's what 14-year-old boys do. <laughs> that's called puberty. It's called fucking hormones puberty going all crazy. Puberty is, is a very confusing time where everyone is after everyone except maybe you. Well, and that's what really <laughs> sucks about growing up in the church with the puberty is uh -huh. you're experiencing very real natural emotions and you're, you're going to feel horny. Yeah, and, and that's okay. And it's not Satan that's making you feel horny. And, that, and it's 
brings all the shame. Like, I feel yeah. guilty that I'm feeling horny. That must be Satan. So I need to, like, repent and, like, yeah. you know, be ashamed did, of myself. Did you, get, did you ever get the, like, elephant talk where it was, like, an anti-porn thing where they're like, you shouldn't, like, look at an image um, because then you won't stop able to thinking of it. And the example is, like, telling the class to don't think of an elephant, but then you think of an elephant because I just told you not to. No, but I've heard that a girl's worth is compared to a piece of gum. Oh, where Jesse if, got that. Yeah. If you, um, or if you chew, shake. if you chew up the gum and you spit it out, who's going to want to chew that gum afterwards? Or, or a piece of tape. I've heard a piece of tape. Or I've heard like a dollar bill. If you rip a dollar bill in pieces, well, that could go either way. It's like, hey, a dollar bill is a dollar bill. Just tape uh-huh. it together and you got a dollar bill. Or it could be like, who wants a dollar yeah. bill now? Or, like, this is like totally like out of left field, but like maybe like women are people and like not objects. What? That like have like worth. Like maybe they just have in, in like just. They're just, they're people, so they just have intrinsic value. Well, and that's one of the big things that bothers me about the whole, like, oh, you need to make sure, don't ever have sex. Don't think about it. Don't talk about it. Don't feel any sort of emotion about it. Okay, now go have sex with your husband whenever he wants, and if you feel pleasure, that's Satan. I never heard that one. I well, just heard like your, I don't pleasure, know. your pleasure just isn't really part of the equation. It's just well, like if I mean, it happens, like, I guess you're lucky. Like the pleasure is secondary. It's like mm-hmm. If you feel pleasure about it, it's wrong. But if you know your your husband can jack off and finish every time, and he gets to feel the orgasm, but you don't get to feel the orgasm, because yeah. that's wrong. I will say that's like part of that whole shame thing is why it took me so long to get my first vibrator. Don't wait so long to get your first vibrator. Like I, I think I was like in my mid twenties, but like, dude, vibrators are. Like, I feel like you don't yeah. need you don't need a man. We can have a whole other episode <laughs> about sexuality. Okay, fine. I have some. I have a lot of um, recommendations for people who are like, how do I explore my sexuality when I've never done it before? I'm like, I have a list. <laughs> well, and I I also believe masturbation is important. I don't it think is. it should be a shameful thing. Did I you think know it's... it can help with migraines. Well, it can help with a lot of things because it releases endorphins. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it helps you have sexual autonomy over your uh-huh. body because you know what feels good. It is extremely important for um, for people assigned female at birth because our bodies are a little bit more complicated and what feels good for one person doesn't necessarily feel good for the other. So it's actually super important if you want to be able to communicate with your partner about like, oh, I really like it when this happens or that feels weird, don't do that. Like it's it's really important. It gives part you kind of more of that self confidence to like tell someone what uh-huh. you want. Like, oh, move a little to the left, or yeah. I need more clitoral stimulation, <laughs> or come in my butt. You know, like it, it all just depends on what you're into. You shouldn't do that. You should use a condom. Again, we can have a whole other episode Same about that. <laughs> okay, so you can also check out Teen Vogue. They have really great sex advice. <laughs> Uh, I'll just read two more. It says members are expected to to vote inordinate amounts of time to the group. I feel like that's yes. true. You got family home evening. Maybe you got mutual, mutual. seminary. You have church for two three hours. Have, um, relief society. You have your home teachers, your visiting teachers. Mm-hmm. You know service projects. La di di la di da. That's like basically your entire week is full of. Right. 
and then members are encouraged or required to live and or socialize only with group other group members. I think that's not quite as enforced in Arizona as it is in Utah because we don't have as many people. Well, but, but I know growing up, I was always told by my parents, why don't you have more friends from church? Why can't you hang out with friends from church more than your other friends? Because they don't like me. <laughs> and it was just like, well, I can't force the kids from church to be my friend. Yeah, it, it was def- like my, it wasn't for my mom because my mom was a convert and she's like, I don't fucking care. She was like, I just want to make sure that they're not bad influences. That's all she cared about. But there definitely was a feeling from like the Sunday school teachers and stuff that you should prioritize people who were Mormon over people who weren't. Which would mean that I would have no friends in high school. <laughs> All of my friends were Hindu or Muslim. <laughs> right. Oh, and um, so we could say like more the LDS church is not a cult because it's mm-hmm. not like the FLDS where they're all, they're a smaller group. They're mm-hmm. kind of more um, intense with their beliefs of things and they, they literally live on a compound like out in Colorado City. Yeah. So that that could be a difference where if you think a cult can only be like like what's his face? Brian the what was the Waco thing where they were like Oh, um the Branch Davidians. Yeah, where they, you know, small group Excuse living me. together on like or Jones Jonestown. Living together on a comp Charlie Manson. Yeah, his group was like groovy though. If they hadn't taken so many drugs, it would have been fine. They were just out in the desert fucking. Like with, with, <laughs> if we take out the murder yeah. and the drug use, so it sounds like a pretty legit time. Yeah, and I mean like he was trying to make better music and his music was actually pretty good. It's like all folksy. Like, I, people think Charlie If we Manson, take the Manson out of the Manson family, yeah, it sounds like a great time. Yeah, it's like, it's such a, if we ever do, like, a true crime thing, I don't know. Manson, I have, like, such weird feelings about him because I don't think he's nearly as interesting as, like, a bunch of the other cult leaders. Well, and I did find this article about, from the Baltimore Sun, it says cult versus religion. Uh-huh. What is the difference? Um... Razor thin. I think they basically said kind of what I said, where they're like, if it's been around a long time, is it considered a religion? Because we're just used to it being around. Mm-hmm. Um, like they said, um, however, your, your definition of cult, it's a group with a charismatic and odd leader who thinks he or she has direct access to the divine and spreads a theology that seems both heretical and confused to the established religions around it. So if that's the case, then when Christianity first started, mm-hmm. or Islam, Buddhism, they were definitely cults. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, especially Christianity, like, everybody was like, what the fuck is this? Like, mm-hmm. get that shit away from me. Until, Christians and lines. Um, so even those could have been considered cults from the beginning, but now that they're so ingrained into society, they're mm-hmm. now a religion. So is that what makes a cult and a religion different? Like, yeah. Uh, um, but here, as I suggest is the real difference between a cult and a religion about 100 years. Once a cult is able to establish itself for several generations, we call it a religion. Before that, we dismiss it as a dangerous threat to real religion. Um, so it's an interesting article. I just thought, like... That is a really interesting article. I think that that's a, a very interesting... Um, 
way to posit it, and I don't think it's completely incorrect. Because they're like, you know, Buddhism arose out of Hinduism as like a completely different, it was completely opposite, you know. Hinduism, you're born into a, a, a caste and there's nothing you can do to, to, to get better out yourself yeah. or that. Whereas um, Buddhism is like, no, the entire point of life is to better yourself. So, you know, it. I completely agree with that that like with what they said but I think that there's also more to it about whether I think that you can be around for 100 or 200 years and still be a cult and even though uh, you are accepted as a religion well and they even mentioned Mormon church of um, of course this is exactly what the Mormons have done today they are clearly a religion in the eyes of most Americans and not a cult they may once have been a cult, but those days are over, at least for the purposes of equal respectability in a multi-religious society. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not being driven out with pitchforks and tar yeah. and feathering, you know, like they were at the back in the, the good old days. <laughs> um, so, if again, I think what boils down to is your definition of it. And mm-hmm. what my one of my definitions of what makes it a cult or not is mm-hmm. mind control. Yes which I definitely, or brainwashing, but then there's people who say those are two different things. But that if a religion, and even maybe even all religions use mind control, but I definitely feel like the Mormon church does. And mm-hmm. if you feel like a group uses brainwashing techniques or mind control techniques, then it's definitely a cult. Yes. In my I eyes. Agree. Um, so whether it the numbers matter or the weird practices matter the mind control is the big one for me mm-hmm. like you can be as weird as you want but if people are free to leave at any point and they like and i mean like truly free like they don't feel like torn about it like if you're you fully know? informed of everything around yes. you, you and you like choose to go to the lds church that's great go do yeah. what you want but i feel like a lot of like us who are raised in it like we're not fully informed of all of our choices and, uh-huh like like getting your endowments you are not that was one of the big reasons why i left besides like i mean the prop eight was one of those big like mm-hmm. like fuck this like they donated money to like and i'm against this like 100 mm-hmm. percent. i don't respect that but then it's when i stumbled and again these are the early days of the internet we didn't have tiktokers like dancing around in their temple garments <laughs> but like i came God across bless. because in the church we are not allowed to know what goes on in the endowments right. we just are told it's, it's what you do sacred to talk about. like but you are not told anything about it you don't even know the clothes you're gonna wear like you mm-hmm. buy the garments but you don't know what they look like mm-hmm. until you go to the temple you're not allowed to know and to me how can you fully consent to something if you don't know no. what it is mm-hmm. um like i've seen people on youtube or tiktok talking about it where it's like they show up and they're told, like, if you want to leave, you can leave now. But they're surrounded by family and <laughs> friends who expect them to do it. So they're like, But then you got that group peer pressure where it's like, I don't want to be the one person that, like, leaves. And it's like and the black sheep. that is, like, purposeful. Mm-hmm. So that you don't actually have a choice. And then, you know, of course, you have to, you know, that's once you're in it, you can't leave now. And you mm-hmm. do all the weird shit and stuff. And then that's when you're like so when i stumbled over like somebody like wrote i think on like an anti-mormon website somewhere like what happened like the, uh-huh. the handshakes and all of that and that's when i was like what the is fuck? it new name noah i it was high school so i literally okay. don't remember 
might not even exist anymore, but again, it was like, mm -hmm. oh, you wear the weird leaf apron and then you do this and that and you get your new name and which is one of those things where they say with brainwashing, they, they change your name mm -hmm. or your identity. Um, but and I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Mm -hmm. What the fuck? And then I was like, this can't be true. This isn't real. Like, who would wear a green leaf apron? That's ridiculous. But then, um, you know, like a family member passed away and you uh -huh. get buried in your temple clothes. Uh -huh. They were wearing a weird baker hat and an apron. And I was like... Oh. oh, there is some truth to this. And that's, again, one of those moments where I was like, is this true? Like, do they wear all that weird shit? And I was like, a lot they're of, wearing the weird shit. A lot of Veronica Mormon is hearing things and saying, no, that's not true. And then finding out 10 years later, oh, it is true. But so that's one of those big things that bothers me about one of those big things that made me leave. Like, it wasn't even like, like, I didn't know any of the history of Joseph Smith. I didn't even care about the history of Joseph Smith mm -hmm. or any of those things we've discussed in, before. It was literally the Prop 8 and the Temple Endowment Ceremony. Yeah. Those were the two big things where I was like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> this is Fuck this shit, I'm out. Fuck this shit, I'm out. That's like my favorite gift ever. Um, so one of the things to see if something has mind control or not is what you said earlier, the bite model. So yeah. explain that. Okay. So first, uh, before I actually get into the bite model, I do want to talk about the man who developed it. And I'm probably going to pronounce his name wrong. I believe it's Stephen Hassan. I think is how you say it. Um, so he was actually a member of the Unification Church, which is how he became introduced are, to the Are they the ones that, like, tote guns? Like, they're, they're the like, loonies. Because there's that one church where they're, like, hold on to the iron rod, and they um, say, like, the iron rod is your AK-47, and, like... Um, I'm pretty sure it's the Moonies. Let me double check. That shit crazy. It's yeah, like, sometimes collectively called the Moonies. Um, they like have like mass weddings. Like you don't get to choose who you marry. They pick your partner, and then they marry a whole bunch of people, like hundred people at the same time. I don't know. I saw I saw a documentary about these. It it was like um. There's so many started groups. by I believe a Korean. Person. Yes. Okay. That's why they're called the Moonies. They tote their guns and their. Sun Moon. Okay, that's probably who it is. Yes. So he was a part of it for a couple of years, and um, then he left, and he's been helping people leave cults for a very long time. Um, so he has developed something called the BITE model of authoritarian control, and I'll, I will discuss what it means, because the BITE model is what helped me finally accept that Mormonism is a cult, because for a long time I kind of joked about it. I was like, oh, I used to be a member of a cult. But I felt bad. But after like looking at this, I was like, oh my God, no, I, it really is a cult. And I have seen people like um, saying, well, you know, it's not peer reviewed. It's just like him making up stuff. So it is actually his dissertation from his doctorate. So there is quantitative evidence. And while there isn't, uh, there has not been additional like um, research yet uh, in this subject. There, it, it's not just like he pulled something out of his ass. He mm -hmm. he experienced his, uh, you know, being in a cult. He has a degree in psychology. He has been helping people leave cults. He has, doesn't even have a degree. He has a PhD. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, he's been working. He's been studying cults literally since like the seventies. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, and bite stands for. Oh, I was gonna 
Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. So BITE is an acronym. It stands for Behavior Control, Information Control, Thought Control, and Emotional Control. So each one of those is basically a list. And the thing about the BITE model is that it kind of takes the question of is it a cult and it gives you a way to quantitatively figure that out. Mm -hmm. Because instead of saying something is or isn't a cult, the theory says, okay, there are, that we have looked at different cults and we have identified particular behaviors that are common, that like span all cults. This is, these are repetitive behaviors there. We can verify that they happen over and over and over again. Um, so the idea is that you look at these four different areas and see how many checkboxes a organization ticks off and the more it ticks off, the higher the chance that it is a cult. Mm -hmm. So the first is behavior control and this is really common in all religions is that they, and, and it's, a, it's common in a lot of groups because it does help encourage like a feeling of community if you're all doing, uh, if you have certain limitations. Like I know from um, some of my studies in college that like um, Orthodox, the Orthodox Jewish faith, um, a lot of the things like, you know, not partaking of pork, not wearing um, mixed fabrics, that was actually to differentiate them from other nomadic tribes because they were in danger of dying out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these were in place to help people feel more connected and to give them a sense of identity. But if it ha- goes to a certain degree, it's dangerous. Um, and by the way, that squeaking is me. It's my, I keep moving around in my chair and it keeps... You're wearing old chairs. <laughs> no, there's a mouse in here. <laughs> um, I don't have a mouse in here. Okay, so behavior control, I'm not going to read them all because they're kind of long lists, but if you search BITE model, B-I-T-E, it's the first thing that comes up on Google. Um, So it dictates like how people associate with each other, when, how, and with whom people have sex, their clothing, um, like how they spend their time, who they spend their time with, what they eat, what they drink, Um, and it gets, and uh, the way that these lists are um, so are organized, it starts from number one is because it's innocuous, innocuous, and it gets more and more like intense as they go down. So, like number one, of behavior control is regulate individuals' physical reality, and number twenty-five is murder. <laughs> so, um, like it's also like if you you can have like you know, 10 of the first ones and you might not be a cult, but if you, you be murdering people, but you're probably in a cult. Um, <laughs> um, so the second one is information control. And this is the one that I, this is definitely one that I think differentiates religions from cults. So this is about who gets what information. So, um, if they are telling people that you can only access information provided by the organization, uh, if they are deliberately lying about their information, like saying that, you know, oh, we like always allowed blacks to have the priesthood, 
that's a lie and that's a checkbox. Um, also encouraging members to spy on, on each other. Um, Which I feel like because there's a lot of like cults or religions where they kind of like like the Scientologists, like they yes. are all like knowledge reports and stuff. Yes. So that's not as a big thing in LDS church, but it does feel mm-hmm. like everybody is watching out for you. Like if you don't go to church one Sunday, everybody knows. There's also, there's specifically a, a uh, official church group that's like um, the committee for the like social welfare of members. I think that's what it's called. And they literally go on to social media and look for people who are bad-mouthing the church and then they report them to higher up well and like it, it boils down to like you don't go to church one sunday and it's like all of a sudden like your visiting teacher yeah knows, people show up and your home teacher knows and they're bringing you a cookie cookies being like why didn't you come to church are you okay I mean, the good thing is cookies uh so but... like you're not the, nobody's really narking on each other but there is like people are mm-hmm. looking yeah people are, are very aware it's like being in a small town that way. Mm-hmm. Um, this then the next one is thought control, which is what convinced me that like okay, like the Elias Church is a cult. Um, so thought control is all about teaching members not to trust their own instincts, not to trust their ability to recognize reality and specifically instructing them to deny reality to fit with the group's through line. So um, thought control, that's where they it has the uh, changing your name and identity, encouraging only good and proper thoughts, teaching thought-stopping techniques which shut down reality uh, testing by stopping negative thoughts and allowing only positive thoughts. So like when you start doubting and they say that Satan's here, oh, I'm going to pray to to keep Satan away, like teaching you not to trust yourself. Because, not to search those feelings and yeah. like, why is something wrong? Like as someone who grew up with unmedicated mental illness, which specifically for me, that's anxiety. I have an anxiety disorder and I have depression, chronic depression, like that exacerbated my mental illness so fucking bad to not be able to trust my own thoughts to mm-hmm. think that it was an outside voice talking to me like that is literally insane mm-hmm. so um and next one's rejection of uh, rational analysis critical thinking and constructive criticism forbid critical questions about leader doctrine or policy so like when people say well why haven't we found any archaeological evidence of the uh, like Nephites and then they're like well we have and like no you haven't and they're like yeah we did uh, these top peers were probably horses and you're like no <laughs> or they're like well Satan did a really good job about making sure there was no trace left yeah exactly or that God hid it to test our faith like that like they always have a reason there's always a reason so that's like I want to. I just want to make clear, like the thought control is specifically from why I what's convinced me that the church is a cult. And then the last one is emotional control, which I see a lot in the um, ex Mormon subreddit when people lose their families and lose their spouses and lose their kids because of leaving 
And so this is um, like manipulate and narrow the range of feelings, some emotions and or needs are deemed as evil, wrong or selfish. Like I remember being taught that being angry wasn't Christ-like. Or like if you masturbate, that's selfish because mm -hmm. those should be, those emotions should be saved between you and your husband or yeah. whatever. And, and like there's also, we'll have to talk about this in, in its own thing, but the weird relationship with grief, how it kind of feels like you're not allowed to be, you're not allowed to go through the full thing of grief because you'll see them again, but it's very normal to be angry at the world or to like feel devastated, but it feels like you're not allowed to go through all that. Or I feel like I experience, or I feel like a lot of people experience the emotional manipulation because if you stop going to church, what is the first thing people ask or say? They're like, well, I really wish you would go to church. It would make me happy. Yeah. Like the guilt, like I always get, I still That's get the, the next guilt trip. One is promote feelings of guilt or unworthiness. Right. It's all about making them feel happy because they want mm -hmm. you to go to church so they feel better. And aren't so worried about you going to hell or whatever and uh -huh. but it really it's just you're just gaslighting me and guilt tripping me or trying to get me guilty to go and like i should you should want me to go because i want to not because mm -hmm. you're manipulating me to go or because you know it's a time that you can spend together that okay. like you know um because i've i've been to non-denominational churches that are actually like fun you know, you, like people go because they're like, hey, it's the time I get to see my community and we get to like eat and we get to like drink orange juice and stuff, <laughs> you know. Well, like I remember my sister when she moved up, lived out here with her kids, um, they would go to the, what's it called? It's like, it's, I want to say unification, but it's another unification. Is it the Unity Church? Yeah, or... The one where it's like they celebrate everything but nothing, where they're just like, yeah. everyone is welcome. There is a Unity Church that I've driven by that... A I, Unitarian? It might be Unitarian. I just know that there's a church out here that I drive by, and they have a rainbow sign that says, everyone is welcome. And I was like, oh Well, and that's why my sister went there, because they were like, they don't really teach theology. They're just mm -hmm. there to like... For the kids, mm -hmm. like if they have a class for the kids, it's like, what is gratitude? Let's talk about gratitude, gratitude. or let's talk about compassion, mm -hmm. or you know, like they, they, they are still there to like kind of help you raise your children like with it's a moral still, code. It's still spiritual, but it's not as rigidly religious, right? But they did do a like a Christmas pageant. Mm -hmm. And so my sister invited us to go with, and you can tell like my mom and my dad were just like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like they weren't like they weren't open to it. They mm -hmm. they just kind of you could feel the energy off of them. Like, yeah. why are we here? This is ridiculous. But they only went because they wanted you know be with their grandchildren. But me, they were like, oh, we need people from the audience to like represent the angels. And I was like, let's do it. And I like, like ran up there and I was like, like, I'll be an angel. And I was with like little my. Um, mm -hmm. niece and we were like you know we had like white capes or something we're like we're angels <laughs> and I was like this is supposed to be fun theater. You're like, Woo! <laughs> right it was like it was just nice because it was about having fun and like the kids were involved and it wasn't about just sitting there mm -hmm. being miserable Yeah. and I just felt like my parents were just sitting there being miserable mm -hmm. when they could have just been open to the experience even if they didn't have to convert yeah. Like, it's almost like they were afraid of having fun because that might be Satan. Satan. 
And I mean, yeah. I just don't understand it. Because, you know, Satan draws people in with Christmas pageants. It's a thing you need to be aware. Like, it, it wasn't even anything crazy. It wasn't like Stephanie was, my sister was trying to, like, force the, you know. They don't know that. You know, she might be working for the devil. <laughs> Maybe know? they thought, Satan you know, her. she was trying to tempt them the wrong direction <laughs> or something. But anyway, it, yeah. we've gone off track. So, like, it actually comes into the, the next uh, thing under emotional control, which is instill fear. So instill fear of thinking independently of the outside world, of losing one's salvation, of leaving or being shunned, others' disapproval. Like there is a lot of fear. I remember, well, like I, like I said, I was I already have an anxiety disorder, and when I was younger, it was untreated, and there was just so much fear, just promoted by the church. Uh, like there's some like Satan is constantly tempted Like, I remember the first time I ever tried coffee. Yeah. It terrified me. I was like, well, there's no going back after this. Like, if I do this, then, you know, then God might not forgive me or I might not be able to be as pure as I once was if I don't drink the coffee. It's like you have, it's just a fucking sip of coffee. Like, it wasn't even, it's almost like I was having like a a identity crisis over a cup Cup of of coffee. coffee. Or especially when, means. especially when I um, decided to leave the church. I mean, even after I said I wasn't going anymore, I was still like deconstructing in the sense mm-hmm. of like it. Right afterwards, it was like, did I make the right decision? What if I made the wrong decision? What if I've just damned myself? So, what if? I feel kind of privileged in that once I realized that I was queer, I was kind of fucked anyway. Right. I was like, well, God will never love me, so I guess I'll just go find another God. Which is what I did. But, like, so that's kind of one of those weird things where, like, because I was, I'm just intrinsically so different, I feel like it was easy for, easier for me to leave because I was like, you know what, I'm damned anyway. Well, it just it's just interesting to see those things that the fear attaches itself mm-hmm. to. Like... Getting Coffee. like even getting my tattoo recently was one of those it's like a really cute tattoo. Thank you. But even now I'm like been out how many years? Mm-hmm. And it even still was like it's because that's indoctrinated in you. It's been it's been presented so many times that it's just sort of created a neural pathway in your mm-hmm. brain. It's kinda of like muscle memory where it's yeah. just like tattoos are bad, tattoos are bad. I want more tattoos, but I've only got If I had money, money, I'd have like a full like yeah. I have I have an idea. Yeah, I don't like my. We arm. should do tattoos for one of our. But I buy too like much body modification. I buy too much fabric. I buy too much makeup. <laughs> it's just you know. If I wanted it bad enough, I'd have the money. Didn't I would be saving for it. That's true. Okay. Um. Do 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 do. There's one more I wanted to talk about. Well, and going back to Trump, this is the same guy that wrote a book about the cult of Trump. Yes, it is. I saw that on, on Wikipedia. It's like, yeah. <laughs> um, so the last thing was, the last thing I wanted to find here was um, phobia indoctrination. So inoculating irrational fears about leaving the group or questioning the leader's authority. And the number one here is no happiness or fulfillment possible outside the group. And I cannot tell you how many times I have seen or heard, like, 
you can't be happy outside the church. And you're like, no, I am much happier. I was suicidal mm -hmm. in the church. And now I finally feel like I'm myself and I can like, I have true freedom. And then members are convinced that that is not real Literally happiness. people are convinced that I'm laying in bed tormented with my decision mm -hmm. about leaving and how I wish I could have, I could come back and that I never had done that. And that I'm agonized and I'm mm -hmm. like, Nope. <laughs> and part of it's like because they're taught that like I'm agonized because I'm trying to unlearn all this bullshit you taught me. They're kind of taught that like true happiness is God's presence and you can only get that in the next life. So I kind of felt growing up that we were taught that like you have to be miserable. Like this life, there's like you literally cannot be happy in this in the mortal life. Because anything that makes you happy is a sin. So you literally have to be miserable to get to heaven to then be happy. Which is just really shitty. Like, you will be miserable now so you can have eternity and happiness. Yeah. Or, um, I totally lost my thought. It's okay. So, like, as it it's okay. Like, in conclusion, um, like, on a scale of cults from, like, one to anthill kids... Like, I think that LDS Mormonism is, like, a two. But I do think that it fulfills enough of these behaviors that we, I, I personally can say, yes, it is a cult. It just is not nearly as extreme in its consequences. And that's why it survived so long is because it's not as extreme. It didn't end in mass suicide. It didn't end in getting you know, broken up by the government, but it still is a cult. Right. It's, it's socially, it's a socially acceptable cult. Oh, and I remember what I was going to say. Um, this is why I am convinced, like how you said, we strive to be miserable. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like when you are having an eating disorder and like when you're feeling starving, it's almost rewarding because yeah. it, it reminds you of like, I'm, I'm restricting myself and it's like my brain is telling it's my stomach is scrambling but I'm ignoring yeah. it so full disclosure I really struggled with anorexia in high school and a little bit in college and Brittany knows because she was there um and well, I know you struggled too mm -hmm. you were a dancer so there was already like ideas about body image and stuff mm -hmm. but like I remember specifically thinking of the hunger as a friend like if I wasn't hungry I felt empty because like that hunger was, it was really weird when I try to explain it to people who don't have it. By the way, trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, sorry, trigger warning about eating disorders, but because it was a feeling, I, like, I felt like whole, mm -hmm. and then when I would eat and it would go away, I felt empty. Like I remember like if I ate dinner, because there was a period of time where I restricted very, mm -hmm. a lot, like I got down to 100 pounds. And that's mm -hmm. when I like freaked because I didn't do it to lose weight. Mm -hmm. it I did it for control. control. I mean, that's true for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But it was the fact that I was Excuse lucky me. that when I saw how much weight I had lost, that it snapped me out of it. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is not okay. And now I feel like I'm on the opposite. Like my brain has been like, you've done this stupid thing. Now you must eat everything. Yeah, I will admit, like, I definitely have disordered eating where I eat from, like, comfort. Like my bro I think a lot of people have disordered eating and don't know that that's what they're experiencing. Like, my body doesn't want me to, like, stop eating because it's like, you know what you did last time? We're not going to fucking do that again. But anyway, um, but yeah, it's like, and why I am convinced 
again, <laughs> Mormons love being persecuted. They love it. It's it's very much a part of the Mormon identity too. I don't know if this persecuted. is an unpopular opinion, but they love a martyr. They yes. love their persecution. Like when we were talking about the history, it was all about how they were persecuted it's, and how they were driven out and how their faith held on even stronger. Because in their eyes, incredibly romanticized. In their eyes, like being persecuted is just a way to prove your faith. faith. It's mm-hmm. a. It's just. To prove that you are... And I think that's what makes it so effective is like, it's like it literally being miserable. Uh-huh. It's a good thing. Yeah, and that's that's not um, exempt to like only Mormons, like Protestants are very mm-hmm. much that way, but Mormon history, because they did experience actual persecution, it has carried... Through the generations. And so when you have those people, like even my mom, like today, they're like, Man, there's, everybody's against the Christianity soon. We're going to have to, we're going to get jailed because we're Christians. And it's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, it's like, boo-hoo. Like nobody, it, you can't, what, what's the word? It's like, you can't. You can't be oppressed if you're the majority. You can't be oppressed if it's the default. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Like, like, we will, I will acknowledge that. I think it's, I think it's like 25% of people under 25 say that they're non-religious. So there are fewer, like younger generations are less religious and there are, there is growth in other places. Like I think we're up to 300,000, uh, pagans, uh, in the United States who are like, actually like when they check box on the census, they're like, yes, pagan. Like, so there are other religions that are growing and Christianity is falling by the wayside for younger people, but it is not like no one being thrown to the lions here. Yeah, like it's, like, fuck off with that I mean, shit. there's been studies about the correlation between education and like if the more educated someone mm-hmm. is, the less likely they are to be religious, religious. which may or may not, like we should do more research in that. That mm-hmm. would be cool. Because I've also found, I kept like a tab on it, like the the number, you know, they always say like the church, they're growing, they're building temples, but the membership's going down. down. Especially since the pandemic, it plummeted when people went, wait a minute, I like having a second Saturday. (laughs) I like having a day off from doing absolutely nothing. Um, Like my grandma, she literally couldn't live without church she's like you need to go to church and it's like well you can still be spiritual without going to church like if you want someone to bring you the sacrament we'll call someone like i'm not against it like um but she was like (laughs) we had a book of hymns because like i said my music was my favorite part of church so um like i learned to play the piano growing up i think every mormon girl learns to play the piano growing up I don't know if that's just a Mormon thing. You learn or... to play piano, you learn to bake bread, or you learn to sew. I didn't learn to bake bread, but I would have liked to. Well, I'm saying you at least know one of those. Yeah, you learn one of them. Um, every, every, everyone is taught to sew, but who you learns learn to, is different? You learn to scrapbook. <laughs> How I remember that my scrapbooking phase it lasted all of six months. Um, but we had a book of hymns, and so when I wanted to quote unquote feel the spirit, I would just play a hymn on the the piano. And music is still very important to me for you know connecting with my spirituality. But I know like now that I'm older, I'm like I don't have to like let myself to these songs. I can feel that with other. Well, and they stuff. do say that it is another 
method of mind control mm-hmm. using music, music because after you sing and you have this collective like you're connected to everyone mm-hmm. there is a sense of euphoria that comes with it mm-hmm. so is that the spirit or is that just your brain chemicals going yay, yay. so that could be another mess that's why we always have to sing yeah. a hymn or you know or and this or that this is sort of random and not because really i always thought it was that. really weird like if we were doing like a play at school well no like <laughs> in church like say when i was like laurel president and mm-hmm. we had like a meeting it was like we had to have an opening prayer right. and an opening song and it's like there's three of us in here like what do we need to sing it's weird but anyway <laughs> okay we... so i was gonna say and i don't expect listeners to believe me because you know whatever um so my in my family the women in my family have been historically very sensitive to psychic phenomena and I can't make people believe that and I don't really care to you can believe it or not I just know that from my experiences that I believe that it's true um so I have felt the presence of spirits like little s and the feeling of a presence of someone who died feeling their presence that is a very different feeling than feeling the spirit, capital S, which is also something that I have felt both like as just like brain chemicals and as like a legitimate answer to like a prayer or a spell. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, as someone who has a little bit of psychic ability, which I can get into it. I believe everyone has it. It's a muscle that you can mm-hmm. you can practice and build. But it's very interesting to hear people talk about the spirit, um, having like that experience of what that actual like different feelings of different spirits or feelings of different like uh, divine presences sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, like me personally, I I do think like spirits are a thing. Like Mm -hmm. I do believe people have experience with ghosts and stuff, but I don't, I feel like a lot of the stuff you see on TV, like, oh no, that's not real. Like ghost hunters and stuff. It's all bullshit. But I do think actual spirits are way too subtle to convince anyone except you. Like, you know, you experience it and you're like, no one will ever believe me. Or like if you have a thing where you're like, I heard a sound, I feel like a lot of it is in your own mind. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of what you might think is a spiritual experience, like a ghost is there. It's mm-hmm. usually just an old creaky house in your own mind playing crazy on you. Mm-hmm. But I do believe like there are real, like people mm-hmm. are like smell their dad's cologne and yeah. like have a dream about him. Like mm-hmm. that sounds more real to me than like an orb, <laughs> like yeah. a recorded orb. And it's like, that's like it's, to bring it back to Mormonism, like smelling your dad's perfume, like stuff like that. That was those sort of. It's funny how occult Mormonism can get because those are like some of the stories that you would hear uh, at like the fast and testimony meeting or like people would bring up as like proof that the church is true. And it's like, that's really occult. It's basically like a Ouija board. Only they're saying that only it's like God. Like I think I remember one lady on testimony meeting saying that she was like in the drive through at Taco Bell and she got this feeling. So she got out of the drive-thru and, like, drove, and then, like, five seconds later, a car, like, went, like, barreling through the drive-thru. So it's, like, she was, like, it was God. 
telling yeah. me. And I mean, I was like, maybe there was a divine intervention. I don't yeah. know. But I, like how they, or like, oh, I couldn't find my keys. And then I prayed I, to God and then I found them. And you're I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I think that, that like the, the feeling, like the bad feeling, some people have experienced that. I do believe, I think that I know that it is a real thing. But where it comes from, who knows? Maybe it's God. Maybe it's like, um, you know, your guardian angel. Maybe it's a spirit. Maybe it's your future self, uh, you know, from beyond the veil just telling you. It's the multiverse. It's the multiverse, you know. There's so many things that it could be, but to me that's kind of, like, exciting. Mm -hmm. But I do believe it. Like, it might be a God. It might be a higher being. That's why I feel like I'm more agnostic because to Mm -hmm. me I'm like, there might be. I don't fucking know. It's not, Mm -hmm. like... I feel like if it is a thing, it's too big for my little brain to comprehend, so why worry about it? Yeah. In my eyes, it's like, I, I honestly believe if God or whatever is real, they're not hung up on whether I drink coffee and my entrance at heaven. They're like, did you, were you a bad, like, did you treat people like shit? Mm-hmm. Did you, like, beat homeless people in the <laughs> streets? Did you, like, murder someone? No? Okay, cool. Did you lobby the government to ensure that your industry continued to receive billions of dollars in aid at the expense of workers who are in poverty? Amazon. (laughs) Jeff Jeff Bezos. But anyway, like, yeah, so it's like, and that's something they teach in the church, too. It's like, we can't comprehend all of Heavenly Father's plans. And so I'm like, I can't comprehend it, so I worry about it. Yeah. I feel like if as long as I'm a good person, if God really does exist, if he's hung up on bullshit like that, then I don't want to fucking live up there with him. It's kind of like, is your God a vengeful God, or does he... Like, that's one of the confusing things about the church, too. Is God unconditionally loving, or does he love you conditionally? It's conditional. Nelson said it was conditional. And so until another prophet says it's unconditional, it's conditional. Well, but growing up, you're told he loves you unconditionally, even if you sin, and that's why he'll Mm -hmm. forgive you. But then it's like it's conditional because he won't forgive you unless you ask for the forget. I don't know. Yeah, but that's like, that's one of the things that's breaking families apart that ties back into the cult is that like, you're taught growing up that God's love is unconditional, but it varies much, very much conditional, and so... It's unconditional until you start becoming a teenager and then they're like, you start getting into the more temple things, and then it's it's conditional. But it, it like, allows mortal parents to claim unconditional love while disowning their kids well that's what i kind of yelled at my grandma when i she saw my tattoo and my piercing Mm -hmm. and she was like i have a granddaughter who's going on a mission and then i have you i was like oh glad to know your love is conditional grandma Mm -hmm. and then she actually apologized to me she's never apologized (laughs) to me she was like, I just want you to know my love isn't conditional. I love you no matter what. I'm like, wow. That's... She just doesn't like you. She just doesn't like me. But that was pretty big for her. So I'll give her that for a 94-year-old woman who loves Fox News and everything it stands for. But, um, but yeah, that was, that was a good. Well, so our conclusion, mm-hmm. I would say, if you're just going off of the definition, oh, it's just like some crazy some group of people that are into hot yoga and have sex with their leader it's 
that was uh that was in the beginning years right that was joseph smith's time <laughs> but today it's not necessarily the case but if you want to include manipulation techniques um emotional manipulation abuse of, of power abuse of power mind control brainwashing any of that then yes mm-hmm. if every religion a cult maybe probably um, and that is why I do not feel the need to be a part. That's why it's like, in my eyes, if you want to believe in God, you can do it without a church. Yeah, and that's why I'm a, a eclectic witch. That's the entire point, which is what I love. Well, and that's what I was trying to tell my grandma, where it's like, you don't need a building to believe in God. Mm-hmm. If God is omnipotent, he doesn't need a build. Like, that's just like the false idol, or that's just yeah. like... That's what man wants. They want the buildings. Like, God doesn't, I I feel, if God is real, he doesn't care if I pray to him in my bedroom in the middle of the desert or in a church. There, there was actually um, a poem about praying uh, that I got from young women's that I actually really liked. And it was a bunch of different people saying, this is how you pray. No, this is how you pray. Like, one person's like, you should bow your head, and the other person's like, you should, like, like look up at the sky. One person's like, you need to clasp your hands. Um, but then at the end, there's one person who's like, um, one day I fell in Hodgins' well. Um, one, um, my feet were pointing up and my head was pointing down, and I said a prayer. It was the prayingest prayer that I ever said, a standing on my head. <laughs> and I was, I, I loved that. I was like, that's so true. All these people arguing about, you know, how to do it. And he's like, I was stuck, so that's how I prayed. <laughs> oh, and just my final thing I want to get out yeah. there is I found a book mm-hmm. and I bought it on Kindle. Oh, yeah. So I haven't, I will admit, I haven't read it really yet because life has happened, but it's called Recovering Agency mm-hmm. and it's by Luna Lindsay Corpton. Is this, was it uh, recommended on the subreddit? Because I think I've heard that recommended. Oh, I don't know. Probably. But it's about like lifting the veil of Mormon mind control. And yeah, so I was hoping to have it read before this episode, but um, I definitely am going to try to read it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I have updates about like how it is, or if anybody out there has read it and recommends it or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. let us know. And I'll let you know if it's any good or not. Or if it's just, I don't know. Because <laughs> that's hard to tell, you know, yeah. too, with, like, some of these books. You're like, are these just people who are pissed off at the religion and just want to write a book? Are these people who actually, like, research yeah. and taking the time? I wanted and... to talk about Dr. Hassan's, like, background that, mm-hmm. and why, like, like, you could just dismiss the bite model, but there is actual, science, like, data that he has gathered. Like, it wasn't a fifth grade science experiment exactly. like he actually like it's like a dissertation's not easy to do no it and it is very rigorously like you have to defend a dissertation in order to become a doctor like people have to like so it was like it has to go through a things yeah it's not like mm-hmm. oh here's just my paper and where's my grade it's like you have to like get your idea approved. You have to like check in with people. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be read by people, and you have to defend. You it. have mentors who are constantly advising you and critiquing it. So they're even though it's not like a 
uh, in like a peer-reviewed journal, it there was a lot of work that went into it, not just from him. Well, and didn't it just else. recently get published? Yeah, in 2021. So, so it hasn't even had time to be peer-reviewed. Yeah. The Byte model has been, his, his, um, his theory has been available online for a long time, but the actual dissertation just got published this year. So yeah, so it's like, mm-hmm. it's like the, the vaccine, give it time. <laughs> it is scientific to have make mistakes and change your mind. Mm-hmm. That doesn't yeah. make it any less true. It just means we have better science now. <laughs> yeah, we have better tools. So um, what, what should we dedicate this episode to? Hmm. Ooh. Uh, what about like people who left cults? Like, okay, so... Well, thank you for listening. Uh, where are we going to talk about next week? Do we know? I don't. I don't think we've come up with a. Are we going to surprise ourselves? Yeah, we'll, you'll. It's a surprise. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's close this meeting in the name of people who left cults because you are strong as fuck. True. Oh, Amen. Amen.